Open Market Talk, Greg McBride, Mike Long at it again, and all sorts of developments here recently. We had talked about this a few weeks ago, Mike, that uh, India had talked about potentially banning wheat exports. They came out with the uh, the actual ban this uh, this past weekend, and wheat went nuts. Is it really as bullish as what they're making it out to be? It's funny because their ban is a ban for private exporters as of May 13th, but not towards Egypt, who is one of the largest importers, and not towards countries that need it, which are countries that import wheat. So (laughs) it's... A crazy story. You have it's a regulation in, story. Yeah, and then you have India that's not even in the top six of world exporters. Yeah, and then you have Russia exporting three times the amount of wheat that they typically do for the month of April, which might be Ukraine's wheat, might not be. But regardless of whether it is or not, that wheat that we thought originally was not going to be on market is now out to the market. So. It's difficult to spin that as a very bullish story that we should be limited up and going hog wild to the upside because of. Yes, there's giant concerns, which is probably more of the underpinning story there. Um, But to say just because of this export ban on a country that barely exports wheat, it's a difficult one to really get. They're one of the largest producers of wheat, though, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean... If you're not exporting it, you're feeding 2 billion people, 2.3 billion people, whatever it is. But if I if I read correctly, I mean, they have they have millions of tons that go to rot every year. Yeah, they are a country that we're looking at a 6 year and a straight record production for wheat. And now with the dryness concerns ahead of monsoon season, um, you have now being dropped, I think it was like from 110 down to 105 million metric tons. And some talking about below 100 million metric tons, which is, if you're taking a running average of their production over the last several years, right around what their average would be. Well, and then they've, they've also already come out and amended the ban. So they, the ban, I think, came through on Saturday. And they've already come out last night or overnight and amended the ban saying that anything that was uh, approved or had been purchased before May 13th and loaded and all that stuff was good to go. Basically, they didn't want to un- unload the boats and, and put it back into storage or put it back into you know circulation. So, and this is what, I mean, what are we talking a million to three million tons of exportable wheat. Yes, we have no problem finding that much. Yeah, and then you, on top of it, you, which just seems like it's really grasping for bullish stories because originally your stories were that India was expecting to export ten million metric tons of wheat because of the Ukraine situation, where typically it'd be a lot closer to three million metric tons, and then the next day that number got pumped up to they were expecting 12 million metric tons and it just seems like a story that's grasping for straws because we have wheat already a tight situation anything that has to do with wheat is just jumped on 
Oh, yeah. I mean, quickly. you go make new contract highs in um, in Casey. You make new contract highs in. Uh, did we make new contract highs? We did in July, uh, Chicago. Um, but I mean, we we were talking about this during the session. There were all sorts of technical red flags or technical flags thrown up uh, uh, today in the uh, in that market. We gapped higher to start the week Sunday night. We gapped higher. We held that gap. You go and gap higher last night after a. a limit up finish and then all of a sudden the market just collapses we now have what looks like a key reversal or just a blow off top so you had with last night's gap your exhaustion gap and it doubled up the fact the fact that it did fill up extremely quickly so you had an exhaustion gap you filled up that exhaustion gap keen to the fact that it was you did not fill the gap from Sunday night. You just barely missed that one. You came back up, made a nice doji type of look to it. You double-topped the uh, most active Chicago Week contract. You earned all new time, uh, all new highs for KC Week all time. And you were closed underneath the open here today. So you see a lower open here tonight, and it does look more negative, more of a potential topping formation on that KC contract. Last two times, it was above $13 back in 2008. It was unable to close those weeks above 13 bucks. So you have outside days after an already explosive move higher, which would suggest more of a emotional blow-off type, type of move. You fill up the gap, which confirms the uh, uh, exhaustion gap. You have it closed beneath. It's open for the KC. You double-top it on the Chicago and yeah, you got a lot of points of reference that are all coming together that are really going to be looking at the open here tonight as your big keys. I feel like you just went through a whole murder investigation where you have pins in a wall and you're like connecting them with red string and all that stuff with everything you just said. Yeah, Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Pepe Sylvia. Um, so I mean, on top of that, if this double uh, double top on the most active. Uh, holds is there any kind of downside risk i mean i know there's downside risk but is there is there a potential target for the for the downside risk the, the objective would come in somewhere close to around 9:30 ouch uh, so there is large downside potential if this does take place and most people will look at this and say that's impossible then you look at our wheat situation back in 2008 which was tighter domestically than it is this year. And you had the wheat market go from 1370 down to seven, I think it was like 760, somewhere in there before it found some initial support and then found a little bit of support for a couple of weeks and then fell off again. We, we made this reference uh, months ago, probably. And we were talking about the 2007, 2008 ish um, food crisis. That was the last big food crisis that we'd saw. And rice went through the roof, wheat through the roof, barley, oats, all through the roof. We're seeing, we've seen similar, similar ideas in this, and we've heard it numerous times 
about a food crisis, a world food crisis, a lot of it uh, hinging on on Ukraine and and the situation there and and the backstopping or the the stopping of of Russian exports and all that stuff. Well, we get data that says that Ukraine planted 86% of what they planted last year. They're done sowing their their spring uh, their spring crops. So I mean, 86%, that's a far cry from like 30 or 40% that we heard two months ago. Are we, are we, are we really starting to turn the corner now? Is that, is that it? Is that the, that's what we needed to see was the blow off top essentially on, on some of these uh, food uh, commodities before everything falls apart? Yes and no. So it's difficult to really say that we have are high in place right now, given you have a lot of indications that say that it's a that you you have if we do have lower open here tonight, a good look at it, it being in. But with the USDA just giving us a very low harvested acres for winter wheat, with USDA already cutting corn yield down to one seventy seven, they're not giving themselves a lot of buffer room for the future to keep making cuts with the weather we're currently seeing. So if we see any recovery, if we see a late-season saving rain like we did down in Argentina for their wheat crop, if we, well, when we see Australia's crop come into the mix and start to move, when we see, I mean, there's a lot of wheat growing in the world mm-hmm. all the time. So we are constantly moving between seasons, between different areas, and... If we are getting any cranes, we crop out after we expect to not see any. If we find that our harvest acres is not as bad as what the USDA gave us originally, if we start picking up a good excellent, we have a lot of reasons to say if these things start to improve, which we have some reason to believe that they should, what does that mean? It means that we have a market that's already very fragile up here. You've seen managed money liquidating their positions out of uh, corn and beans over the last couple i think three weeks Mm -hmm. and you have a story now that allows them to start liquidating their position of wheat as well so you have that you have a potential recession looming which a lot of people are calling for including goldman sachs you got crude oil that's been sitting above 100 bucks for a while now and does not hit the consumer's pocketbook well uh you have inflation that's been up here for a long time and at what point do you see money flow off the table in this very lineup kind of mentality and seeing a lot of these markets just start to back off like well, you did in 2008. Well, as we were closing the, the market today, you know, uh, Jerome Powell is on, he's the Fed chairman. He's talking about inflation. He, he mentioned, I think he mentioned, I didn't see the whole thing. I mean, we were busy with other stuff and then we had to come in here and do this, but um, he was talking about inflation. He was talking about the fact that uh, the Fed uh, waited a little bit too long to uh, take action. You have the expectation of a half basis point uh, increase on uh, at the next FOMC meeting in June, which I believe is maybe the 13th or 14th. Um, you have, or maybe it's the 15th, or I think it's the 15th, is it? 14th and 15th. Um, you also have quarter one GDP that comes out next week. May 26 is is the first quarter GDP data, uh, and that is a – we've already seen one, one quarter of negative growth. You string two quarters together, 
and generally that means that the economy is in some sort of recession. With the Fed raising rates, with the potential for recession, you know, as Powell is speaking today, crude oil is is tanking. I mean, it went, and and this is relative to what it had done all day. It was up a dollar, dollar fifty. When he was speaking, all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's down a dollar fifty to two dollars, and selling off as we walked away. Uh, I didn't see what the Dow and the equities were doing, but I imagine it wasn't. Uh, they they well, didn't like what he had to say. No, they did back off. You're seeing some recovery as we're going into about the two o'clock time frame. So it's really seeing where that goes into the three o'clock settlement is going to be big. Seeing if you're saw the backing off, a little bit of profit taking, a little bit of money coming off the table, and then you see a research selling going to close. But it was not, and as a lot of people know, not friendly. You haven't talked about how. There's more demand for workers, and there are workers that wants to work. And That's a sign of a recession. Yeah, you have a lot of things that are saying that we don't have a lot of good things going on right now. We don't have production at levels we need to. We don't have logistics at levels we need to. We don't have a lot of things at levels we need to. So this, my question is, you know, if we if we show negative growth on this GDP number next. We, we already know that the world economy is in, our global economy is in, in trouble right now anyway. Does the U.S. trigger a global recession, or is that global recession essentially already started and we'd just be acknowledging it here in the U.S.? I feel like the global recession really took hold when we were talking about China's housing crisis. Yeah, the Evergrande stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it's been pushed aside, and then they went to a full-scale lockdown, which is not helping anything. And you have everyone that was at negative interest rates, and now they can't really do too much to fight inflation. They can't do much to now because we're already in the thick of it. So I don't think it's the U.S. that's really started it. I think that the bottlenecks started it. You saw uh, trucking and freight and everything slow down, which was a leading indicator. And we're now really seeing the effects of it. I don't know. We'll probably look back at it and say, right now we're in a recession. Yeah, we don't actually need that confirmation from the GDP number, too. Right. Yeah. But it's a matter of how bad can this recession get. Because it's not just the U.S. It is the world side of things. And that's when things get really, really bad. Right. Well, I mean, we had the – I mean – uh, officially, not officially, whatever, whatever you want to call it, the COVID recession, and came out of that, and you know, obviously, some of the supply chain issues uh, and the inflation hitting really did kind of make that go away. It may, may, not necessarily made it go away, but made it seem like less of an issue. Well, crude never stopped. You know, like you said, it just keep, continues to hit the, the pocketbook, and that is that is a rough uh, situation because at some point, and I saw, I saw it this morning that uh, might have been J.P. Morgan was looking for potentially six dollar gasoline, um, you know, nationwide average of six dollar gasoline uh, this summer. I mean, that is a massive, massive issue. If anything, that's going to either force people to stay home, which could lose them their jobs, or it could take us to a point where the demand for gasoline goes goes down like crazy, and that will pull prices quite a bit because we'll have an oversupply. You go to a point where people are just kind of forced to stay home, 
because they can't afford to drive to work, that's a that's an issue. That's a huge issue, especially going into summer when this is our our prime time for driving season. So uh, there are a lot of very concerning situations going on. I like the fact that we've seen new new contract ties in wheat. I like the fact that we've seen new contract ties in corn. We're very close on on beans uh, to where we were at. To, you know, when we spiked up and made those highs when the the whole Ukraine thing started. Um, but it does not feel healthy right now. It's it's very a, a almost uh, almost kind of thrives on the anxiety here in this uh, in this type of market where it's like we need to do something but we don't want to put our put our foot in too soon but we need to we need to be looking at something we can't ignore it this year yeah it definitely seems like a lot more of these moves are more uh, either short squeezes or long liquidations things along those lines that are moving this market more so than it is any definitive movement anyone taking a position in the market in a, in a decent way so it definitely anxiety seems to be the key word here for just the macro environment as a whole mm-hmm. and more than likely will continue to be i mean there's not much here in the short term that looks to change that there's not much here in the medium term that looks to change it so really sifting through this next several months of economic pressure is going to be it. Yeah. Well, I, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up here real quick and just kind of go through like we've been trying to do here lately, which is give some, uh, some important dates, uh, that are coming up. Uh, we have, uh, cattle on feed this, uh, this Friday, uh, looking for lower, uh, uh, higher on feed, lower placements, a little bit lower marketings as well, uh, than last year. Um, we've got, as I mentioned for next week, GDP, uh, obviously every Monday we're watching, uh, uh, crop progress and, uh, crop conditions. Uh, like I said, the, uh, USDA report, uh, will be, I think June 12th, something like that, maybe June 10th. Um, and then you've got, uh, the FOMC meeting that'll be coming up as well. That is a, a big deal. CPI comes out uh, the week before that, like Thursday before that too. So another inflation uh, number coming up. Also, don't forget about we have a new day off in June this year. So that can always throw things into the mix as well. You should have those short weeks that trends like to change around. And Memorial Day yeah. coming up, three-day weekend. You got a couple couple short weeks coming up to definitely pay attention to those key time frames. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have any questions, please give us a call, 800-262-7538. That's 800-2-MARKET. But for this week, this is Mike and Greg signing off. Please have your hand.